On the first day of school, most of the children brought their teacher things like cinnamon tea and lace handkerchiefs and heart-shaped boxes full of potpourri, except for Velvet. Velvet brought an old shoebox with seven pretty rocks and half a robin's egg in it. Velvet was different. At lunchtime, the other children noticed that Velvet had brought their lunch in a used brown paper bag and that there were carrot sticks and butter sandwiches in there. And she actually ate them. Velvet was very odd. Later at recess, some of the other girls noticed that Velvet's dress wasn't new even though it was the beginning of a new school year. Where had she come from? Well, the oddness didn't stop with that first day of school. It just continued on. Why, at show and tell, Velvet brought a milkweed pod. Fortunately, three of the other girls had brought a crying baby, a wedding baby, and a talking baby doll, and so all was saved. Velvet just did things and said things differently. Everyone agreed that she was just odd. They were polite to her, but they weren't really comfortable asking her to play with them or walk home with them because most people were afraid to be different in the way that Velvet was different. Well, as the school year carried on, Velvet continued to do different things. It was noticed that she only had eight crayons in her crayon box and that she wore sweaters that used to belong to her big sister. Then field trip day came. All the kids were on the bus laughing and giving each other nicknames and using funny nicknames. And somebody shouted out, hey, Velvet, what's your nickname? And everything got quiet. And Velvet looked up and said, you know, I don't really have one. But my father told me the story of why I'm named Velvet. He said that on the morning I was born, the sun had just come up over the mountains, and he looked out, and it was as though the whole world were covered in a soft, smooth, lavender velvet. And so they named me Velvet. Everyone was kind of quiet after that, just picturing how beautiful that day must have been, the day that Velvet was born. Well, then a drawing contest was announced. Everyone knew who would win. Sarah Jenkins had the best markers and had a new paint set and way more colored pencils than anyone else. And so on the day of the end of the drawing contest, the rest of the children just let Sarah sit up in front because what's the point? <laughs> and they were all surprised when the teacher called out Velvet's name. Velvet had drawn an apple the children looked at it. One said, it almost looks real enough to eat. Another said, oh, I could almost just pick it up off the paper. They couldn't believe that with just eight crayons, Velvet had drawn the most beautiful apple they had ever seen. Wow. 
Could you teach me how to draw like that? Asked one. Bit by bit, Velvet didn't seem so odd. The other children started to understand the things that Velvet did and the things that Velvet said. But still, on the day that the birthday party invitations went out, they were a little nervous. What would Velvet's house be like? Well, they all arrived. Velvet's parents greeted them politely at the door. There wasn't a birthday magician or a clown, but they did get to turn Velvet's bedroom into a castle. All of the royal subjects painted their faces and put glitter in their hair, and Velvet's sister made them all paper crowns with little plastic jewels, and they had a grand time. At the end of that school year, all of the children brought the teacher flowers and hand-drawn cards and an impressive collection of rocks. They all decided that Velvet wasn't so odd after all. Our first reading this morning comes from the Unitarian Universalist Association that is, speaks to accessibility in our congregations for persons with multiple chemical sensitivity, or MCS. Remember those old DuPont ads that said, better living through chemistry? <laughs> and how we all thought that statement was true? Well, we have since learned that the misuse, overuse, and inappropriate use of chemicals has led, for some people, not to better living, but to severe sensitivities. Multiple chemical sensitivity, MCS, is real. MCS is an acquired disorder that affects multiple organ systems when exposed to many chemical compounds at doses far below those that cause harmful effects in the general population. Most of us can wear clothing that has been made wrinkle resistant, use scented shampoo, sleep on mattresses padded with foam, live with carpeting, and treat our lawns with herbicides. But depending on a person's individual sensitivities, any of these things or exposure to any one of hundreds of these substances can produce life-threatening symptoms for a person with MCS. MCS is often difficult to diagnose because reactions can be subtle and sometimes don't appear until after the exposure. That's why some people unfamiliar with MCS may feel that a person with that disorder is not really physically sick but should, or should use willpower to overcome the symptoms. These attitudes create barriers that cause distress for a person with MCS just as much as the chemical compound creates barriers and isolation. Making churches more accessible for people with environmental disabilities may seem to present a formidable challenge. Actually, there is a lot that can be done. The most important requirement is a spirit of wanting to help on the part of the congregation and the church leaders. We may find that making these accommodations will increase the physical comfort level and alertness of many people who had not previously noticed their sensitivities. The poet, Mary Oliver, writes, everything needs it, bone, muscles, and even while it calls the earth its home, the soul. 
So the merciful, noisy machine stands in our house, working away in its lung-like voice. I hear it as I kneel before the fire, stirring with a stick of iron, letting the logs lie more loosely. You, in the upstairs room, are in your usual position, leaning on your right shoulder, which aches all day. You are breathing patiently. It is a beautiful sound. It is your life, which is so close to my own that I would not know where to drop the knife of separation. And what does this have to do with love except everything? Now the fire rises and offers a dozen singing deep red roses of flame. Then it settles to quietude or maybe gratitude as it feeds, as we all do, as we must, upon the invisible gift our purest, sweet necessity, the air. something we do all the time, 22,000 times every day of our lives. Something so natural and automatic, most of us never think about it. But for some, breathing is something of which they are acutely aware. For a person with multiple chemical sensitivities, the ability to breathe may be dangerously threatened. Imagine this scenario. One Sunday morning in church, the woman sitting in front of the person with multiple chemical sensitivities, known as MCS, sprayed her carefully coiffed hair before leaving home. Now, she is aware that some people in church are allergic to fragrances. And so she shopped for and purchased an unscented hairspray. Scent or fragrance might not be on the inch and a half long list of ingredients on the hairspray container, but other ingredients are hydrofluorocarbon 152, isobutane, and numerous other sometimes unpronounceable ingredients. Any one or combination of these ingredients can cause a serious, life-threatening reaction in the person sitting behind her. And of course, it's not just hairspray. Deodorants, aftershave, even that sweater picked up the day before from the dry cleaner, taken out of the plastic bag, may retain ingredients that are toxic to those with chemical sensitivities. Members and friends of this congregation have that experience, 
and have brought their health concerns to church leadership and our congregation's environmental action team over the years. And as a result, some changes have been made. This carpet in the sanctuary has been replaced using a non-allergenic adhesive and also some better ventilation to disperse the uh, new carpets off-gassing. An air purifier to remove allergens that are in the air operates in this sanctuary during the week. Cleaning products and restroom soaps are unscented. Yet, the problem persists for those people with MCS. Last spring, at the Olympia Unitarian Universalist Congregation's annual auction, one item offered was a sermon delivered by me on the topic of the buyer's choice. Robin Thompson attended the auction determined to purchase that sermon. She kept her bid card in the air until she was declared the successful bidder. I am grateful to Robin and am honored to offer today's service. As I prepared the sermon, I met with Robin and did a lot of reading to be more deeply aware myself of the challenges faced by persons with multiple chemical sensitivities and of the acute risk that chemically laden products pose to Robin and to other members and friends of this congregation with MCS. And I also began reading how we as a community of faith can live more fully into our covenant to be truly welcoming and inclusive. A chemical sensitivity is perhaps more pervasive than many of us were aware. And one recent experience, just a couple of weeks ago, brought this home to me. A group met in one of our classrooms and following a welcome and and the lighting of a chalice, a new member of that group expressed her gratitude for the use of an electronic candle as she is sensitive or allergic to candles, scented or unscented. Now in this sanctuary, we have long used unscented candles, but how many of us are aware that the wicks used in those candles have been treated with various flame-resistant chemical cocktails in a process known as mordanting. The candles may not contain a fragrance, but are releasing into the air the burnt residue of those chemicals. We have used today an electronic chalice candle and the votives at the back. Now, traditionally, a church sanctuary is a place where scenting candles and a cocktail of pleasant smells often intermingle on Sunday morning. For centuries, men and women have used fragrant scents for the pleasure of themselves and for others. Perfume and incense delight the heart reads a line in the book of Proverbs in the Hebrew scriptures. Now, when those words were written, scents were pretty basic, like frankincense and myrrh. Beeswax candles 
with pure cotton wicks. And no doubt those scents did delight the heart and the senses. But today, scents are likely an undisclosed mixture of petrochemicals. Modern chemical fragrances are used in a long list of products, products we all have in our homes, products we all use, from detergents and deodorants to dryer sheets. Even my cat litter has it in there. Now, when these are combined with multiple pathogens and allergens, contaminants and irritants, our poor lungs are under constant siege. Now, unless we are personally affected by MCS, we may not be aware of how others are impacted by the chemicals so prevalent in our environment. Most of us do not pay a lot of attention to the ingredients in the personal care products we use. Even those of us who have chosen to use non-scented products do not necessarily look at the labels to see what other chemicals are used to create that lotion we use each morning. Just take a look at that label sometime. Is fragrance or scent or perfume in the long list of ingredients often the last in the list? Those terms may encompass synthetically created scents that can be made of thousands of petroleum-deprived synthetic compounds, including chemicals that are on the EPAs, the Environmental Protection Agency's hazardous waste list. Now, fragrance ingredients are considered trade secrets, so they are not subject to public disclosure, and it is difficult to know if they are harmful, so there is no frankincense and myrrh there. Now, for those with MCS, those products may produce allergy-like symptoms, headaches, sneezing, stuffy nose, or, or congestion, or they may be very debilitating, even life-threatening, by producing a serious asthma attack. For Robin, exposure to products containing chemicals have caused neurological dysfunction, a not uncommon response. She becomes disoriented and has trouble communicating clearly. If the exposure continues, Robin develops a massive, incapacitating migraine, her airways burning. She describes this condition to be much like that of a stroke. And for Robin, this condition has not yet advanced to seizures, but it could in the future. It is important for each one of us to remember that for those with MCS, each respiratory or neurological attack is cumulative, marking a downward trend in one's health. And this is not an isolated disability. It is a recognized disability under the Federal American with Disabilities Act. It is pervasive, including in faith communities, where we often come in here and we're seated close to each other for an hour or more. Here are some voices of people in other religious communities, not this one. One woman said, no church sanctuary or classroom 
has been accessible to me for the last 17 years. All the pesticides, cleaning products, molds, perfumes, new construction, renovation materials, and so on form an invisible chemical barrier for me. Said another, on rare occasions, I can attend, but even then only with the use of a mask and oxygen. And by sitting in an area of the church, like the entranceway, that is unpopulated. The risks always have to be weighed for me and only for special services and family events such as a wedding or funeral am I willing to subject myself to almost certain dangers. As the Unitarian Universalist Association article Gail read earlier said, making churches more accessible for people with environmental disabilities may seem to present a formidable challenge. And one of the biggest challenges is to educate the other members of the congregation. Robin Thompson has worked diligently to protect herself and also to help others understand how serious MCS is. She carries a card she shares with others and it reads, I recently developed extreme chemical sensitivity. This is a disability protected by the ADA and state laws. Fragrances and other chemicals in the air cause debilitating neurological and respiratory symptoms. I hope by sharing my story, I can raise awareness and inspire others to support efforts to ensure healthy air for everyone. Choose now to live fragrance-free, prevent future illness, and protect those who already suffer. The back of Robin's card names resources to learn more about the harm caused by chemicals in scented products. And often members don't fully understand and appreciate the needs of a person with MCS. As a member of one congregation observed, it would be funny if it weren't so awful for us. For example, people may tell us they haven't put on any perfume, thinking they have done us a big favor. But what they don't understand is that if they used perfume the last time they wore the clothes they're wearing now, the fragrance is still clinging to them or their clothes may have absorbed fragrances from hanging in a closet along with other clothing that contains perfume, or that their entire home and wardrobe are permeated with the scents of the products that they use regularly like shampoo, those air fresheners, and even laundry detergent. And one church a member observed, they just do not get it. In fact, sometimes when someone makes an attempt to accommodate the needs of a person with MCS, they choose an alternative that is even more hazardous. One time shortly before Easter in my church, a woman told me that in consideration of my sensitivities, she had confined the pollen of the Easter lilies by spraying them with hairspray. <laughs> Yet, even good faith attempts to make worship welcoming can be thwarted by members who are just simply unaware of the dangers 
or perhaps resist requests to change personal habits. I like how one Jewish congregation responded. Aware that some members of her flock are chemically sensitive, the rabbi of a small synagogue in Santa Rosa, California, designated the Friday evening worship service as fragrance-free. Just as the service was to begin, a heavily perfumed woman walked in. Within just a few minutes, one by one, the chemically sensitive folks left the building. Curious and concerned, the rabbi stopped praying and followed them outside. And curious as to what was going on, the rest of the congregation followed the rabbi. When all were outside and the cause of the problem was established, the rabbi politely asked the scented woman to leave. And because the inside of the synagogue was now too smelly for chemically sensitive folks to tolerate, the rabbi held the rest of the service outside. Taking his cue from the evening's events, he gave a sermon on the importance of hospitality in Jewish tradition and the ethics of wearing scented products in public places. Hospitality is central not only to Jewish tradition, but to our Unitarian Universalist faith. If we are to affirm and honor the inherent worth and dignity of each person, we must open ourselves to deeper understanding of what each one of us brings into this space, of the diversity that makes up the body of this religious community. For three decades, this congregation has been designated a welcoming congregation which means that our doors are open to all sexual orientations and gender identities. But let's just expand the meaning of welcome so that our space and our activities, including worship, are truly inclusive. This congregation's covenant, naming how we aspire to be together and act in this world, calls us to do just that. Because we seek to be a friendly and inclusive congregation, we promise to provide a safe and nurturing environment. A safe and nurturing environment. That line in our covenant reminds us what we must be aware of and meet the needs of all those who wish to enter these doors and wish to participate in this religious community. The most important requirement is a spirit, the spirit of wanting to help on the part of everyone in this congregation. Accommodating the needs of chemically sensitive persons will increase their physical comfort level and alertness, perhaps even preserving their lives. And it may have an added benefit. Many others who had not previously noticed their slight sensitivity may be more comfortable too. The first step is education. Educating the congregation about the importance of making its space accessible to all. 
here at OUUC, we're doing a pretty good job of providing parking spaces, entrances, and seating areas for those with physical disabilities. We use microphones, and we have devices available for those with hearing loss, something for which I am personally very grateful as a person with hearing loss. We recognize that it is our responsibility, not the responsibility of those with disabilities to figure out how to get into the building or to hear a service. We have developed ways following guidelines with the Americans with Disability Act materials that allow those with physical and sensory limitations to participate fully in the life of this congregation. Let's commit to making its space open and welcoming to those with invisible disabilities like MCS so they too can be included. And educate yourself. Read the labels on personal care and household products. Even if you need, like me, to get out a magnifying glass to read that tiny print, then replace those products with ones that are safe for all. The natural or the organic aisles and stores are a good place to start, but you still need to read the labels carefully. You can find many resources on the internet as well. The second step is to include people with chemical sensitivities in the process to address full accessibility. A saying in the disability community is, nothing about us without us. Those living with visible and invisible disabilities are very aware of how certain environments impact their access, and they can suggest creative responses, often ones they have experienced in their work environments, which have successfully accommodated their invisible disabilities. Working with those with chemical sensitivities can help find solutions, even in sanctuaries like this with limited space. And finally, take a stand as a congregation. There are multiple ways to do that. And signage is one step. One church designated its space as a fragrance-free building and posts a framed statement that is visible to people as they enter. A reminder is in the weekly announcements in the order of service and on the congregation's website. It states, out of compassion for others, please come fragrance-free. The congregation asks groups using the church to honor its fragrance-free policy and includes that policy on rental and use agreements. Visible signage, visible signage and regular reminders are essential to create a culture of inclusion. Ways to show we mean what we profess. Just as we now have a culture in this congregation of using microphones in the sanctuary, we can develop and nurture a fragrance-free culture in our space. So educate ourselves and others. Include those with visible and invisible disabilities in the planning to make space inclusive of all. And be proactive. Use signage, 
regular written and spoken reminders. Nearly 50 million people in the United States, that's one in five, have a disability, visible or invisible. For everyone, whether having a disability or not, the environment in which we learn, play, sing, work, and pray must feel welcome in order for everyone to grow and thrive. If we as members of a community that, as our covenant says, is to be friendly and inclusive, providing a safe and nurturing environment for all who come here, then we must strive to understand more deeply the needs of others. It is yet one more way we can live with integrity as individuals and as a congregation. We are, after all, a justice-seeking, justice-living faith. And that means we do not turn away from issues that require us to take an extra step, to develop practices and behaviors that might inconvenience some of us momentarily, but that will create a safe environment for others to live and thrive. An environment in which Robin and others with invisible disabilities can fully participate. An environment in which each of us can breathe in, breathe out, safely and more easily. So may it be.